behind the shade. So how was 2021 treating you in comparison to last year? Uh, good so far. I mean, the pandemic, I mean, didn't really affect me in the sense I stay at home a lot anyway because I work from home and it really impacted me more when the schools were out. I enjoyed it as a mom being my kids being home, but that meant I didn't get as much work done. <laughs> so I got behind. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I mean, I'm, I'm home all the time anyway. So I'm like, whatever, man. Just Perfect. Do what you got to do and be smart and stay safe and try and do your best. That's all you can do. Yeah. I try to tell a couple of people that I speak to either through podcasts or just in my everyday life. Hmm. I'm like, some of the things that they're telling us to do we should have been doing already, right? Like making sure we're safe, making sure we're healthy, making sure we're courteous of others. But I think we kind of took it for granted because now that some of those things have been stripped away or now that we had to experience a period of time where we couldn't do some of those things, now we're starting to say, hey, I miss seeing my extended family. I miss hugging people. I miss seeing people in public. Yeah. Didn't know what we had till we didn't have it or couldn't have access to it anyway. Absolutely. So I guess we'll officially get started. And I want to welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Shades. I have, uh, how am I going to describe this young lady here? The passionate, very sports-driven Michaela. And Michaela, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what's going on? Well, thank you for having me. I am Michaela Cox, and you're correct. I am sports-driven at least 10 days out of the year. Um, I'm an author. I have seven books, uh, excuse me, seven books out. I am currently writing my eighth. I have lots more in me. Um, I've always been a writer, but how I've coined my message to be is what I call a journey through triple eight, a 38 triple D, excuse me. It has nothing to do with garments or physical appearance, a journey of learning how to thrive through lifelong disability, divorce at 26, and um, the death of my beloved spouse, husband at 38, and threw me into solo motherhood, going on four years in April. So thank you for that. Tell us a little bit about that journey, because that's quite a bit to go through early on. Like, Tell us how you were able to come out the person you are, but to start everyone else and bring everyone up to speed, how was it for you, your state of mind, going through that journey uh, that you just described well i mean the first d and the triple a uh, the tri 38 triple d is lifelong disability because i came into this world disabled before i even took my first breath or my first day i was already blind and you know totally blind where i didn't see anything and uh, depending on your background and your audience's background um i'm a woman of faith a christian background and so in my family, we believe at seven months old that the Lord decided to uh, heal me in the sense that while I do see now, I have seen for most of my life, it's still impaired, but it was a healing from going completely dark to then being able to see. There's a lot of ins and outs to my disability of legal blindness, and it's complicated, but I think I developed four things, well, more than that, but four kind of approaches, I would say, or thought processes even though I may not have known how to think of them at a young age kid, but that helped me through that adversity. And then when I came into the other adversities of divorce and death of my husband in 2017, I think having those skill sets already kind of in place, the need for them were kind of um, more um, magnified and it allowed me to use them. Um, 
being legally blind or visually impaired my whole life, I've always had to think outside the box. And a lot of times when you're lacking in one area or you're disabled in one area in the body, the other parts of your body tend to compensate. So I have really crazy good hearing <laughs> and good memory. Um, and I memorize a lot of things. I'm very organized. Uh, chaos is not my friend. Um, I don't do that well. I'm very much a planner. Um, I've always had accommodations. I've always had to be determined and work hard. And I mean, everyone works hard, but I mean, more so than the average person, because when you live in a world that's, you know, predominantly geared based off of vision, you have to find other ways of adapting into a world when you don't have your vision. So like I did all audiobooks since fifth grade, or I had readers or I had scribes or, you know, people read to me or whatever. I do a lot of things in technology where it's magnified, you know, or enlarged, um, you know, various different things. I've always been of the opinion that life is a choice. I may not get to choose my circumstances any more than I didn't get to choose being born disabled or yes, I walked away from my first marriage, but I didn't choose the circumstances that caused me to walk away or the lack of good decisions on my first husband's behalf that caused that to not go the way it should have. Um, and I didn't choose to have be a widow at 38 and be a solo mom and my two babies to lose their father. But and it, is it easy? No, but I get to choose what to do within those circumstances and I can choose whether I'll be defined by the circumstances or do I get to define what my life looks like. And I agree. And that's a beautiful way of putting it. Because you mentioned the, the, the triple D, you mentioned the disability, the divorce and the, the deceased spouse. And over the last, I want to say maybe two to three months, I've talked to so many people that have a physical disability. Either it's um, mobility, either it's cerebral palsy, either it's mental, either it's, it's, it's a blind, legal blindness like yourself. And I have found that these people, no different than anyone else. And I think sometimes we tend to view people as less than, but they're not. I mean, if you, okay, life is a choice. So if you're a person who's in a different circumstances for most people, if you choose to have that situation not stop you, then you don't have a choice in how you have to get around it. So I chose to be at the point of view of that. And I was raised by parents that even though they were told what the doctors and the medical profession thought I wouldn't be able to do or not do, because I was kind of a guinea pig because there was no family history in my family about this condition and so no one had anything to go based off of like well it looks like this so she could do that there was nothing to compare it to so no one really knew what they were in for <laughs> so we kind of just had to go with it and see what happened but i was raised with do what you can do the best you can and see what you can do with it and don't stop and don't quit and don't give up so i've always chosen to choose to do what i can to never stop never give up don't quit don't let it stand in my way to the best of my abilities. Now, I do have limitations. Like, I will never be able to drive. Like, it's not advisable for someone who's legally blind to be on the highway, okay? That's a given. There's no getting around that one. But the other things about academia and accomplishing my goals and my dreams, I can find ways of thinking outside the box, even if it requires me to do more and not let it stop me. So I've always been, let me do what I can. Let me do the best I can and see what happens. And I'm not going to not do something just because someone told me no. I'm going to say, um, I'm going to prove your ass wrong, excuse my French, I don't know how else to say it, and you're <laughs> going to hold my beer and sit back and watch, okay? And let's do it. 
So that's a big part of the equation. And I think for the part of the disabled population who chooses that path in life, they have to be that way in order to do what they do. So they develop this hardworking, this uh, willpower, strong will, determination, persistence, perseverance, and tenacity just to do what they have to do that maybe as the same normal stuff as the next person, but because they have extra things in their way or things to contend with or overcome, they have to do all that much more just to do what normal people do on a regular daily basis. And if they want to really do anything really important, not important, but the extra, go the extra mile per se and what they want to accomplish, then they have to do all that much more. So it's just, you either do or you don't. Yeah. And that's why you're highlighting that because you mentioned we all have a choice, right? In many areas of our life, we just have to identify what that choice is. And you made a good point. It either could define you or you redefine it. And as you mentioned, when you're going through this, that process must have been from the outside looking in, it looks like it's a difficult process. But as you mentioned, you had the support, you had the faith, even though you had these two things, which are very important, very strong. Did you still find that it was difficult in the beginning to go through what you were going through? I don't really remember the beginning per se, because I was like, I was a baby, you know, because I've had it my whole life. So I've never taken a breath. I've never taken a day where I wasn't disabled. So I don't have like, I'll never know what it's like to see normally or know what to compare it to. But as I got older and came into understanding and realizing what this looks like in life, I do have a, a better context of those examples because as we get older, we remember more. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know many people that remember much before they're like five that their parents didn't tell them about or something, you know. But Well, that's I, what I meant, right? I meant yeah. like when you're reaching the age where you're aware. Yeah. Um, I remember being in school and I was always the kid that was on the front row. I always had accommodations. Depending on what year we're talking about, I was the one with the bifocals and the trifocals and different technology. And, you know, everyone knew I always took longer to do assignments or homework, um, you know, different challenges. That just because I chose the path of not letting it stand in my way doesn't mean it was a cakewalk or that it was easy. I just made the decision that no matter what it was, I was going to try and do what I had to do. Were you impressed or surprised or did you expect that you would have this type of strength i didn't know i just did what i had to do and just started doing but it makes sense because i mean most people in that circumstance if they choose the path of trying to make something of their life they're going to have to develop something to help them get through it and accomplish things and like you like i've said you know when the body is usually lacking in one area it's going to compensate in other ways so when you mentioned your your faith um how much of how much of importance was that, sorry, not was, but how much of importance is that for you today and going forward? It's extremely important. I really believe that I don't think I would have been able to do what I've done or have done or will do or be here standing and surviving and trying to thrive if it wasn't for my faith to get through a disability a whole your whole life. I mean, I'm almost 43, so... Some people say, well, you make it look easy. Well, when you've been doing it for 43 years, it kind of does look easy, even though it may not really be. And the world may not see all the struggle that goes in with it, but it doesn't mean that it's not there. And then uh, putting a life back together after a horrific first marriage and a divorce at 26, when I did come back, come from a background of faith who we don't really believe in divorce, but yet I'm divorced. So that was really a challenge for me. Because I, I mean, people don't go to the altar and say, yay, we're going to get married and in two years we're going to get divorced. 
no, no one does that. <laughs> so that's not something I ever thought would be a part of my life. So it was really a challenge for me coming to that decision to walk away from a marriage and then try and figure out what I wanted to do with my life after the fact and kind of like what I wanted to carve out for myself when you thought your life was going to go one way and then it doesn't. And then it turned out to be good. And I was with a wonderful man for almost 12 years. And then at the time, 38, going on 43 in November, now find myself at that interesting place in life of I've got to not only put my life back together, but I have my two kids to worry about and make their life good. So same idea, but different in a sense of it's not just me this time. Did you ever wonder, um, like, why you, right? Like, you've had the disability that you were born with. You've had the divorce. You have the deceased spouse. Was there ever a moment in time where you thought, what can be next? Because you were already gone through three very impactful situations. I do. Um, I'm trying to figure. I'm not here to say that I have all the answers. I'm not here to say I have it all figured out. That's not what I'm saying, and that is not accurate. What I am here to say and share is what I have learned because when you do go through any one of those in and of itself, never mind two or three, and then when you put them collectively all together, you hopefully learn something out of it. So it's not a total waste. And if you're a smart person, you probably do. So I've learned a lot and that's what I feel like is important that if I had to walk this journey that maybe I've been given a message and some truth and wisdom that's important to share with others. Because struggle is struggle, difficulty is difficulty, overcoming is overcoming in concept, even though mine may be different from the next and I've gone through things, some haven't, and they've gone through things that, something that I haven't gone through, but it's still the idea we're all overcoming something. So it's the same type of, I don't want to, toolbox or skill set or, you know, coping mechanisms or, you know, different things that help you get through it even though the journey may look very differently because it may be a totally different problem from one person to the next. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's why for you, because that's why I like hearing about these experiences because it's probably someone going through something similar or they may know someone that's going through something similar and hearing your story, hearing your journey is going to give them the courage to say that Michaela was able to do this. So I should be able to do this as well because as you mentioned, um, you don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But what we do have at our disposal in our tool belt is the experience. And the experience should be shared because the experience will inspire someone else to be just as strong or to be even stronger. From what you've learned, what's something that you'd want to share with the next generation of people that may be going through something similar and they need that guidance or those words of wisdom? Well, the first one is that it is a choice, you know, and that we don't choose our circumstances. But... An analogy I've been using a lot lately is um, if you're playing a card game like poker or something, you get dealt certain cards, so you don't get to choose the cards that come out of the deck that got handed to you, literally. But you may get to choose a certain card out of your hand that you can play strategically, hopefully, if you're a good poker player. <laughs> um, and to hopefully at the end game of winning that hand or any other card game or an artist who you got hired for a job and you're giving this blank canvas with these artistic tools that you may not like because you may be an oil painter or a pastel watercolor person, but they want you to do the other kind of medium of your art and you may not like it, but you still get to choose how you create your art on this blank canvas that you were given or whatever material that you were given to make beautiful things on. 
So I get to design my journey. I get to define it where I go from here. Now, am I still trying to figure that out? Yeah, but like I said, uh, since the loss of my husband, I'm going on four years in April, um, because we lived in New Hampshire at the time because of his military career, um, we were 26 hours away from most of our friends and family. So I decided, although had it not been for my disability or my kids being so young, I may have tried to stay in New Hampshire a full year after him passing because most experts say don't make any major decisions until a year, but I didn't have that option. So I moved just across country. I got a set up back in Louisiana where I'm living now, where my parents are, a lot of my friends are, and trying to make a good life for our kids. And I've bought a home and I've published six out of the seven books in the last two years post losing my husband. So I'm, you know, finding ways of creating a new life and helping my kids to learn how to thrive and do what they're supposed to do on their own journey when they are of age. And tell us a little bit about the, the books. Like how is how important is it for you to get your message out there through the books? I've always written. I've never remembered not writing. If I'm not writing, I'm thinking about it. Um, even when I was a kid, I was a writer. I guess I always felt like I had something to say and I felt like my words were what I had and that's what I could offer the world. And <laughs> I was a little bit of a strange kid. I remember writing an editorial in second grade and submitting it to my local newspaper and it was on politics. Go figure what eight-year-old does that? My eight-year-old, my eight-year-old doesn't even do that. So I don't know. <laughs> what does that say about me? And then I wrote my first poem in fourth grade. So obviously it's not what I write now, but it was always a part of my life. It's who I am. It's what I do. I can't not, not do it. Um, even if I'm, I have my writings for the world, but I journal a lot. So I have my own private writing. It's very, um, I think it's good for the soul. You know, if you're that kind of person that it speaks to you, it can be very therapeutic and, you know, cathartic and help you work through things. And because it's just you and the page, there's no judgment, you know, it's yours and yours alone. And that's a, and that's something, that's a good metaphor because that's the way I look at journaling and writing things down is just you, the pen and the paper and there's no judging. There's no funny faces looking back. It's you at peace with your thoughts and you're putting your thoughts to paper. And for those listening, if you haven't taken it up, journaling is such a beautiful way to clear your mind and to get everything out there. My books, I have seven out right now. The first one I did was a collection of poetry based off of cherished scriptures. That was in 2011, and then I got busy by motherhood and grad school and all other things in life. And when I'm in school, because of my vision, even though I'm good at it, it takes a lot for me to do what's required of schoolwork. And so I usually don't have a lot of extra time on my hands. And I definitely did it because I had an eight-month-old when I started grad school. And then somewhere, you know, three or two years later, I ended up, I had our, our son, so I had a I did my thesis with a three-year-old and a four-month-old who wasn't sleeping through the night. That was not a fun semester. Oh my gosh, never again. <laughs> no thanks, we can have it. Um, so yeah, I was didn't have a lot of time. So I had to wait till I was out of grad school and take all of the things that I've been thinking on and pondering and kind of collected in my brain and start writing them. And so um, for the books that I write now on my series on motherhood and then the series on religion and then politics and then the one for my children and the one that I'll be starting in a couple of months. The idea of them all really came from, <laughs> for better or for worse, kind of a little guilty pleasure indulgence. Um, I was a little late to this TV party, but the show by HBO of 98 to 2004 of Sex in the City, I started watching in 2006. And I love it. I probably shouldn't, but I do, but oh well, whatever. 
Um, <laughs> the the point is, the main character, Carrie Bradshaw, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, she was a columnist, and she would write on her own observations about different aspects of, you know, culture and society and dating and romance and, you know, men and women and obviously sex and, you know, gender roles, gender identification, you know, like how that works and all that. So I thought to myself, well, yeah, she's a fictitious character, but hmm, if she can write on her passions and short little essays or columns or articles or whatever, hmm, there's nothing saying I can't do that. So then my first thought was religion. And then I became a mom. I thought, hmm, motherhood. Okay, I can do that too. And then I got my master's like, oh, I could do that on politics too. So really most of my series all came from that idea of I'm just presenting things that I reflect on or observe or think would be interesting conversation starters and put it out there just food for thought. Like, hey, what do you think about that? I think this is interesting. Let's talk about it. Let's get a dialogue going on my passions. So that's kind of where they all come from. What's something about motherhood that you've touched on that you think it's important to share? Well, like I said, um, when my daughter was born in 2010, I was living in New Hampshire, um, 26 hours away from most of my girlfriends. And I had a few in New Hampshire, but they weren't moms yet. So I wasn't like hanging out at the playground with moms and their kids and like talking about like, oh my God, the kid did this today. Like, what do we do? And I don't know how to handle this and like what are y'all going through i didn't have that i was kind of with me and my thoughts and my child because one of the major limitations like i said i think earlier is i don't drive so when i say i'm a stay-at-home mom i am literally a stay-at-home mom like i don't leave okay so your new mom literally at home 24 7 with your newborn okay that's it <laughs> and your husband's in the military so he's home at night but that's it there are no girlfriends there's no nothing it's you and the kid so I had a lot of thoughts in my head. And so for me, because writing's therapeutic, I would write them down. And then it occurred to me like, oh, half the population's women, give or take, you know, approximately. And usually most women at some point in their lives are having kids. So I'm not the only one. So there's lots of women going through this first time mom thing. So maybe if it's affecting me a certain way, then maybe it'll help them too. So I wrote it down after I got into grad school and I would just, the first book was on being a first time mom and the adjustments and what it's like to go through that journey and just topics that struck me as interesting. And then in the fall, I'll be re hopefully releasing book two and three in motherhood. And right now I'm writing book two in the religious series. No, I'm not just, I never can just do one thing. Are there some jewels that you've come across that you would yeah. want to discuss in regards to the audience? Because every day, pretty much every day, there's a new mom, right? So yeah. let's look to them and say, these are some of the things that I've learned along the way and would like to impart this wisdom with you. What are some things you'd say to them? Well, in motherhood, I would say, give up the notion you're going to find an instruction manual because you're not. <laughs> you might as well save people a lot of time and energy because good luck finding it. If you find it, send it my way because I've yet to find one in 10 years of being a mom. And I really wish I had one for next year when my daughter enters middle school. I'm like, oh, dear God, help me. So that's going to be an adjustment for me, a new stage, even though I've been doing this for 10 years. Um, trust your own voice and block out some of the noise because you're the mom and the mom alone of your child and you know your child better than anybody. Yeah, is it good to reach out for help when you need it? But at the end of the day, you know your kid better than anybody. And so you need to trust your own voice. And I will agree. There's a couple of my friends that are their new mothers. Um, actually, they're newly wed. And then within the first year, they got um, they have their child, two people. Yeah. They got married in 2019. And to see the joy on their faces is, is a beautiful sight. 
But you're right. There isn't a handbook. Yeah, there's many books that are written on motherhood and fatherhood, but there isn't an instruction manual where it says day one, you do this. Day two, you do this. Day 100, you do this. And to see them go through it. Yes, it's a learning experience for everyone involved. But I guess the best preparation to your points is just to look at it and say, this is the child that I, this is the person that I created. I have the love for them. I want to do what's best for them. Let me learn along the way and make sure that they're safe. But what advice would you give um, the mothers or the fathers who are thinking, you know what, Michaela makes a good point, but I don't know if I can actually do this. Well, it goes into my other three points of what have helped me living a life with a disability and then um, divorced and parenting, especially as becoming a solo parent after the loss of my husband. Because um, I wasn't always a solo parent. I, only that happened, you know, coincided he died. So I became a widow and a solo mom in one fell swoop of a blink of an eye and a split second. My world got turned upside down. Um, but once you figure out life is a choice, I think mindset is key. And these things that I'm presenting, I don't think are just indicative of one situation. I think they're good key things for any situation and for anyone because they're kind of have helped me in all three. Mindset is key and I think is the more challenging thing that I've done because there's a reason why there's the expression mind over matter. Our mindset can influence which way we go. I mean, we're all going to have feelings and thoughts. But we can, once again, choose, are we going to stay with the not-so-helpful, healthy, toxic emotions and thoughts? Or are we going to try and end up on the other spectrum of the, well, I actually might be a little more okay today spectrum versus the, this really sucks and I am not okay today. You know, and I've had, I've I've, I've been on both, okay? I'm I'm not saying I'm not. I mean, that's just the way it goes. But that's the human condition and human nature, especially when you go through certain things. But... I still get to choose whether I want to stay with that one or not, but it can help us stay on track, focused, centered, and balanced to be able to achieve what we set out through our choices to do. I think our mindset and our choices, no matter how hard or easy it is, can allow us to end up in one direction or another, depending on what we allow ourselves to focus on and think on and ponder on and what we choose. What final advice would you want to give our audience who is learning about you, who's hearing your journey, and they want to be inspired by this, what would you tell them? Um, I would say the other thing is self-care. I mean, I don't mean to be selfish about it, but like, and I struggled with this as a young mom because I think for women it's hard. I can't speak for guys. I mean, you can say yourself if y'all struggle with self-care or not, I don't know. I'm a woman, I'm not gonna presume to speak for men, but um, I think for women it's really hard because a lot of times we wear a lot of hats. We're wives, we're moms, we're daughters, we're sisters, we're co-workers, we're employees. We might be a boss, you know, we're whatever. We're a friend, we're a niece, we're a daughter-in-law, we're a whatever. And we're always doing and blowing and going for everybody. And then at the end of the day, we're like, why am I so freaking tired? Well, when did you take a break? <laughs> you didn't. And so you're like a deep well with only so much water and you're always happily not mining to give everybody everybody water but then eventually the water runs out and if you're not putting anything back in you're going to be empty and not be able to do what you need to do for you and everybody else and the other part of that even if you're willing to do self-care a lot of women feel guilty about it it's like i should be doing 20 other things what's getting neglected what's falling apart well it's really all going to fall apart if you end up falling apart 
Yeah, it goes back to that analogy that many people like to use with the airplane, right? You make sure you're protected. You put your mask on first before you go help someone else. And you're right. I hear a lot of parents, um, single parents or parents that are together, that when they want to take a moment for themselves, to your point, self-care, they feel kind of guilty saying, I don't know if I should take this hour for myself because I can be doing this, this, and the other. But we need to stop everything and say, I need time for myself away from everyone else. As you mentioned earlier, ignore the noise, focus on you, get yourself better. And then a better version of yourself will be better equipped to help others. Especially your children. And like, I promise you those whatever the heck dishes or laundry or whatever else is on your to-do list. It ain't going nowhere, unfortunately. There is no fairy godmother wand that's going to make it poof and go away. So even if you step out for five minutes, I promise you, you'll be there when you get back. And you'll dishes be never go away. No, I just did not. dishes. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did dishes yesterday and I looked at my sink today. I'm like, who had dinner twice? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you taking that five minutes is going to make you be feel better and do what you need to do. I mean, and that looks different for everybody. Like self-care to me is a broad topic because it really is anything that involves one, the person self taking care of their needs to help them attend to their self. That can look different for everybody because we're all different and we all have different likes and tastes and interests. I mean, and different stages of life you're in. When I was a, a young mom in grad school, believe me, my version of self-care was, please, dear God, let me pee in peace and let me eat without being interrupted and getting five minutes, okay? Now my kids are in school and older, so I have a lot more free time on my hands, so I just hope to go out on a Friday night with my girlfriends. <laughs> so it changes, <laughs> you know, it evolves like our lives do. Different seasons require different things, but as long as you're finding that time to attend to your own needs at some point so that you can be um, replenished in your well, then you're doing your self-care. 